to the Voice of Truth Radio Show. I'm your host, State Senator Mike Azinger, accompanied by my co-host, Pastor Brian Leversey. We're the only show in America where you will experience the fusion of church and state. On the Voice of Truth Radio Show today, we'll be engaging in vigorous, robust discussion on culture, history, current events, all from a biblical perspective. Thursdays at 5 o'clock, Saturdays at 3 p.m. We podcast at Voice of Truth with Mike Azinger. So thanks for joining in today, folks. Appreciate you listening. Pastor, how you doing? Hey, I'm doing great. A little cold out there this morning, What's though. the deal with that? I don't know. I don't know. What's this white, filmy stuff on the ground and on my... <laughs> it's called so. See, you came from Southern California a couple years ago, and here you are in West... Uh, I'm a West pro now. Virginia. I'm just pretending like I don't know what's going on. I've been through some snows now. You've been I'm through, good. You, you started out in Iowa. You yeah. know how this all works. But uh, uh, So we're going to get right into it today because we have a special guest, and uh, uh, she doesn't have a lot of time, and we want to hear from her. Last week was the Dobbs decision with uh, the Mississippi case at the Supreme Court, and um, it's just a big deal. This is a big deal, Pastor. I yeah, think this has the potentiality, obviously, of overturning mm-hmm. Roe. Ro. This hasn't uh, this hasn't happened since 1992 when Kennedy uh, got flipped. He uh, they vote. By the way, they hear the case. They vote uh, right away. They voted on Friday a week or a week ago. Friday, whenever it was, uh, I think it was Friday. And uh, uh, but they can the, the case comes out I think in June hmm. and they can flip their vote wow. in between then and somebody got to K, to uh, Kennedy in '92 uh, so we just need to pray hard during this whole time uh, but uh, Kayla Kessinger who's a fellow delegate of mine from Raleigh County down there in Beckley is um, she's an expert on the Dobbs decision on what's going on with the Mississippi case. And uh, I was going to have her on last week. We tried. But where was she? Well, the big shot was down uh, over in D.C. <laughs> talking in front of the Supreme Court. I didn't get the invite. I think it must have got lost in the mail. What's amazing to me is that, uh, you know, we, we could have had her on this show instead of her going to the Supreme Court. And she decided to go to the Supreme Court. Yeah, I'm her. I'm her a little so. bit. Kayla Kissinger, how are <laughs> you? Thank you for I being know, with us, Kayla. Like I hear a little bit of... Uh, Jealousy. No, we're always jealous of everybody no, else. Yeah. That's that's our that's like our shtick, you know. He wants. He <laughs> yeah, we're waiting for the phone call for the Rush Limbaugh yeah, show. Yeah, that's we, right. We think exactly. they made a yeah. they made a bad decision, and uh, they need us. But uh, yeah, yeah, there's there's a, a lot of jealousy generally going. Yeah, on. yeah. But we are honored to have you on. Uh, uh, Kayla is uh, like I said from Raleigh County. Uh, lives uh, in in Beckley. Is that right? You still live in Beckley down there? So I live actually in Fayette County, um, right on the border of the Raleigh County line, though, um, in a little town called Mount Hope. Fayette County, well, like perfect for like a Christmas town type name. Well, I've the, always thought. so the legislature website says you live in Beckley, so you need to go and. Uh, Gonna have to get them to uh, fix that. Steve that Harrison or somebody. Shocking that the government uh, <laughs> wrong. I can't believe they got that wrong. <laughs> all right, so um, tell us the story first of all. Um, 
and we need to do this quick because we don't have a lot of time. You got to go, but uh, of how uh, we got elected the same same year, 2014. Yeah. I was 49. How old were you? I was 21. <laughs> I was um, the sixth youngest legislator in the country at the time. Uh, myself and Sarah Blair um, were elected. She was, I believe, 19, and I was 21. So I think she was 18. Kids. Yeah, she was the, yeah, the she was youngest. When yeah. She was elected, and then 19, I think, when she started okay. serving. So uh, she was the youngest, and so we got to serve together. But um, it was it, just a crazy story, total God story. Um, I literally had no intention of ever running for office. I had always enjoyed politics, specifically um, the life issue. I've been active and been an advocate on that issue for since I was 13. And um, right the week before the deadline to file, I was asked to run. Um, and um, I'm giving you like the very brief story that I was asked to run, um, told him I would pray about it. And you all know what that means. That means it's no, but nice. Um, <laughs> so, um, he gave me my form and I took it home. Um, mulled over it a little bit, prayed about it. Um, prior to that, I had actually gone on a fast asking the Lord whether or not I should run. And um, he really just, I felt like, confirmed it. I was listening to the radio one day, and my biggest fear was, Lord, I am not qualified for this. I'm 21 years old. Yeah. I've never run for anything other than homecoming queen. Like, what would I, <laughs> yeah. what does this even entail? Um, which I won, by the way. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> there you go. See, that, 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 that one doesn't make us jealous. Yeah, that doesn't make us jealous. We don't care no, about we're that. Good. We'll support <laughs> you in that. Well, homecoming elections are much easily, more more easily won. You can just buy people's votes with good cookies. And yeah, so, there you go. Anyway, that's a crime uh, when you're uh, running to be on the ballot. But so anyway, yeah. I uh, went on a fast, prayed about it, um, and I just was telling the Lord, like, I don't feel qualified for this. And I turned my radio on on the second day of the fast, and um, a song came on I had never heard before, and the line, just a boy with a sling and a stone, but the heart of a lion dared him to go. And immediately I just felt like this conviction um, and felt compelled to run. Um, and so I didn't tell anybody, sort of kept it to myself. About a week later, I'm asked if I would be interested in running, and I was like, ah, I don't know. Um, they gave me the form the last night to file it was a saturday in january a huge snowstorm hit um and i got a call from uh, a, a friend and they were like kayla we filled 99 of 100 spots on the ballot we've got one spot left we'd like to be able to say we filled them all would you please consider running um and i really felt like that was like the lord just like pushing me into it and so um ended up filing to run and by some miracle was able to convince enough people to vote for me hmm. And uh, won by, I think it was like 87 votes. Wow. <laughs> yeah, so you were like, a, uh, yeah, you're not in a heavy, you're a Republican, but you weren't in a heavy Republican area. Who, where, who are you working for right now before we get into Mississippi here? Sure. So I actually just uh, recently took a job with Susan B. Anthony List. They're um, uh, unrolling a program in West Virginia called Her Plan, and the whole goal is to create a pregnancy and life assistance network in the state so that women have the resources they need. Um, to know that they that abortion they don't have to choose abortion. It's really awesome. Mm, very good. Okay, so let's get into Mississippi. Uh, so we, we were in special session. We, uh, you know, a lot of times senators will go over to the House and vice versa. So some of the House members were in the Senate, I think, watching the Vax Freedom vote. I think that's why you folks yeah. came over. So uh, you just started talking uh, very uh, lucidly about the Mississippi decision coming up. And, and I didn't understand the, the uh, ramifications of this. But mm. so maybe you could just explain what, what the uh, – 
what is Mississippi and Dobbs, the Dobbs uh, decision coming up, and, and uh, what's the potentiality for this case? Absolutely. So in 2018, the state of Mississippi passed a 15-week abortion ban, um, similar to our to the bill we passed in 2015, but a little bit earlier um, in a little bit earlier in gestation. And so, um, the Supreme Court decided to actually hear Mississippi's case last week. Um, as you mentioned, I got to be there and listen to some of the. Um, oral arguments, uh, which I would like to say were very encouraging. Mm-hmm. So anyway, they um, they heard the, the, the oral arguments last week, and I want to let your listeners know that this is by far the most important moment in our movement hmm. since Roe. Wow. Um, because what this decision um, could potentially do is untie the hands of state legislators like us, Senator, so that we can further like regulate and legislate the issue of abortion. Right now, we are heavily restricted um, by an unelected bench of judges. We believe, and actually overwhelmingly the American people believe, yes. that this is a decision that should be left up to yeah, the people of each state, mm-hmm. not, a, not a bench of judges that have been appointed. Right. And so what, in order to understand what this decision is going to do, it's important to understand what it's not going to do. So this decision is not going to ban abortions across the country. This decision is simply going to untie the hands of state legislatures across the country so that they can determine what abortion looks like in their reflective states. Hmm. Very interesting. And, and I'll say this, a West Virginian, and we had this discussion in the uh, over the weekend, and mm-hmm. West Virginia, if, if Rose overturned, West Virginia will be in a, a no-abortion state. Does that sound right to you? Because, in, and I, I saw this online, and I ran it uh, by some attorneys. Uh, Charlie Trump uh, is one, but uh, mm-hmm. in 1843, Virginia passed yep. an abortion law. Is that right? That's correct. So, so it will be it will be illegal in West Virginia. Is that correct? So yes. So currently, our 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 state code actually um, maintains the ban on abortion. So once Roe was decided. There has never been a state legislature that removed that ban. So um, if, mm. if the Supreme Court does decide, we'll have that decision in, in likely in June, as you said earlier. Um, and if they do decide to overturn Roe, then West Virginia already has sort of this trigger law in place. However, I do think um, you and I, um, Senator, and a couple of other members who this is an important issue to, we need to um, meet with the Attorney General and ask him for his opinion. Is there something we need to do to make sure that this is enforceable at that moment? Hmm. And if so, that's something that we need to go ahead and prepare for and take care of in this, in this next legislative session. So let's talk about the hearing a little bit, because that was what was so exciting. And I've, I've read yeah. a lot of articles about this. Even Ron Roberts <laughs> sounded oh good. My God. I mean, if 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 you went by the this the hearings, uh, it would be six three, don't you think? I, that I genuinely. So I went into it sort of. Um, I, I don't want to say uh, pessimistic, but I will. I will be honest. I had to spend a significant amount of the time, a significant amount of my time on Wednesday, repenting before the Lord for not truly believing that He could change the hearts <laughs> of judges for all of these years, yeah. Yeah. because it was. So encouraging to hear the lines of questioning um, that each of the that each of the justices asked, and if you notice, the opposition on this issue, they didn't defend. They did not say that Roe was good law. Hmm. Never once did they defend that Roe was good law. Yes, they exactly. They simply made this argument that 
what we have now strikes a good balance between the interests of the mother and the child. But what they neglect to mention is that the state also has an interest in right. when abortion should be permitted. Mm-hmm. And that's Mississippi's argument, is that they should, they have an interest in when abortions should be permitted and when they shouldn't be permitted. And if we can't agree that at 15 weeks, you know, at 15 weeks, a baby has fully formed noses and mm-hmm. eyebrows and eyes and a beating heart. Yes. I mean, a, a lips, eyelids, it can suck its thumb at 15 weeks. And if we can't agree that it, it, ultimately the question, there's two questions that it comes down to. It's a scientific question of when does life begin, and I believe that the facts are on our side that life begins at the moment of conception. Right. And then the second question is a moral question. Does life have value? And hmm. if it does, it is incumbent upon us, Senator Azinger, to defend and protect life right. in all of its stages, regardless of where it's located, regardless of how developed. It, it, it is incumbent upon us as elected representatives hmm. um, to protect life in all of its stages and all of its forms. And there was one thing that really stood out to me that day is this, you know, our state motto is Mountaineers are always free. Mm-hmm. Well, sadly, not every Mountaineer is always mm-hmm. free. Right. Every single Mountaineer, up until 2015, when we passed the Pain-Capable Unborn Child Protection Act, abortion was legal up until the moment of birth in the state of West Virginia. Oh, and my goodness. Sadly, wow. that is what that is what Roe versus Wade did. So wow. the United States, I don't know if you're aware of it. That's what Roe says, right? Roe says all the yes. way up. Yeah, all up the way to... The moment of birth. Yeah. And it's extreme. It, like, the, the left wants to tell us that our position on abortion is extreme, but the, at the end of the day, the fact of the matter is that we are one of only seven nations in the world yes. that allow abortion until the moment of birth. We're, That's extreme. China and North Korea is right where we yes. are with, wow. with abortion. Yes. So let's go through the justices real quick. we just got a few minutes here. Uh, so I'm looking at Thomas and Alito as sure things. Oh, I'm, I'm in, yes. And, I love I, them. <laughs> and I'm looking at Gorsuch, uh, probably a sure thing. Uh, yep. so, so then you got... Uh, Roberts, who's you know, and you can and you can't go by the hearings because you'll get disappointed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you yes, know, absolutely right. So uh, you got Roberts, who's uh, I'm thinking he's not going to go with us in, in the end. But uh, mm-hmm. Amy Barrett, uh, Amy Coney Barrett, and Kavanaugh. What, what about yeah. uh, what about those two? Based on the hearings, I feel pretty good about them. I mean, Kavanaugh could go either way. We're really not sure where he's at on the issue. Um, I, based on the hearings, based on the lines of questioning that they offered, I feel pretty good about them. Um, and, and like you said, you can't base your position on, um, on, on the lines of questions and, you know, how they ask the questions and their demeanor and things like that. But what we can do is begin to pray for each and every one of them. Yeah. Scripture tells mm-hmm. us that the Lord holds the heart. Of, of elected of leaders in his hand that right. he can turn their he can he can change their minds that he holds it like a river and he can turn it. I'm paraphrasing. This is the Kayla Kessinger version, of course, <laughs> but we just need to begin to pray um, vehemently. Now is not the time to stop praying. Hmm. Now is the time to to buckle down and spend time each and every day praying over those judges, praying that the Lord will open their eyes so that they may see the wonders of His law, as Psalm one nineteen tells us, and so that they and that they would truly embody what the Supreme, you know, on the front of the Supreme Court, it was standing there looking back at it. It was so beautiful. Mm. There's a, a phrase on the front of the Supreme Court, and it says, equal justice under law. And that's what we're fighting for. Yes. Mm. We are fighting for equal justice under law for every single human being, born and unborn. And it is incumbent upon us as 
believers to um, seek the Lord, to seek His will, and ask Him to 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 turn the hearts hearts of these judges toward in a posture of a love toward His image bearers. And that's a great great point because in 1992, when the last time we had the potential to overturn Roe, we had a five four decision, and Mm -hmm. Kennedy was flipped. I, I. from what I remember, Lawrence Tribe went to his house or mm-hmm. or had some kind of uh, immediate effect on this man mm-hmm. in between the wow. hearings and June when when they have the final official vote. And yeah. uh, so we need to be praying, like you said, uh, all the way through June. Um, and, uh, and and because these guys, these these justices are human, and a lot of them aren't real strong anyway, and they can be flipped. So, uh, Kayla, we, uh, Kayla Kessinger, delegate from uh, Fayette County, is with us, <laughs> and uh, she's got to go. But uh, we thank you so much for coming on. Do you have uh, anything else you want to say before you go? Just thank you guys so much for letting me join you guys today. I love what you guys are doing. Um, I think it's important that believers know that um, our faith doesn't stop at the ballot box. Hmm. Our faith goes before us in every aspect of our life, um, and it should especially impact our politics and our policies. And so I love getting the word out about that, um, and uh, I appreciate you guys letting me join you. Well, I, I will say, uh, uh, Pastor Leverstey hadn't said a lot today, but I, I go to his church. We're down in his church in this great studio down here, and he preaches just like just like you said. So, Kayla, God bless you. Thanks so much for coming on. You did a great job, and uh, uh-huh. we'd love to have you back. But uh, thanks, Absolutely. thanks for the explanation, and have a great day. Thanks. See y'all later. Bye-bye. Welcome back to the Voice of Truth radio show. I'm State Senator Mike Azinger with my sidekick, Pastor Brian Leversee, pastor of Fellowship Baptist Church in Vienna, where I also attend, and my family. And uh, we just had a great art, a great interview with Delegate Kayla Kessinger, who uh, I got elected with in the uh, same time. What a great story. Tw- 21 years old. 21. And when she got elected. She was just a little baby. Wow. And I remember walking down the hallway, and um, she just stops in talks to you. She's a Fayette County girl, Southern West Virginia girl, friendly. You can see why people elected her, for well, sure. Yeah, yeah. And, and she comes from a, a great family. She's been, she's been uh, advocating the pro-life position mm. since she said in the interview— since 2013. So we podcast at um, Voice of Truth with Mike Azinger, and you can listen to it. Um, If you're listening on Thursday, we play again on Saturday if you want to tell your friends about it. Hey, look, um, but uh, hey, listen to uh, uh, get get your friends. If you're listening on Thursday, get your friends to listen on Saturday if you heard the interview. If you haven't heard the interview, uh, pull up the podcast or download the podcast. What do you, what do kids say? I don't know. What, what's the official? <laughs> I'm too old. I'm 56. What do you want me? You want me to know what to I'm do with the podcast? I'm just happy you can say podcast. That's, yeah. that's all you need to do. Hey, listen, I didn't You're know good. what an app was until like a day and a half ago. So the Dobbs decision is, and this is just so fascinating and so exciting. And this is, man, this is why... Uh, this is why we need Christians in the battle. Mm. You know, get off the couch, folks, and get in the battle and 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 pray um, about this decision. And 
um, you know, just just help help the women's center down in. Yeah, they do a great job down there. Um, they they win gals to they the do. Lord down it's there. Phenomenal. They save babies down there on uh, Dudley Avenue. Uh, they are in the battle. They are, yeah. uh, I guarantee, a target of of the uh, yeah. of the devil. But um, so Kayla was was just explaining to us about the Mississippi decision, which basically said that no abortion uh, after fifteen weeks. Yeah, and Roe says abortion up till birth. Hmm. Well, yeah, and, you know, I didn't realize the implications of this decision, but if it works out in favor of the pro-life view, it really turns the authority over to the states to be able to make more dictates about what their, you know, uh, idea of abortion really is. So it just, it, it takes the shackles off, it sounds like, from the federal government imposing on the states what they can do or not do. Uh, it just frees them up to do that unilaterally within that state, which is fantastic because, like you were mentioning, bringing up that obscure law, well, I guess, I didn't <laughs> want to show off there. from here in West Virginia. Obscure laws I mean, are kind of my specialty. But I wonder how many other states, if this goes to an well, effect, they I go right back to a no abortion state I think again. There's about 21 states that will basically at least have severe restrictions on, on abortion. Look at your map, and the red states will have no abortion or very strict abortions. The blue states, for the most part, I think will have uh, uh, very liberal abortion laws. So th- it's not like abortion's going away, unfortunately. Yeah. You know, sadly, um, uh, when, when you've had, what, 50 years of abortion, yeah. that seep, seeps into the psyche well, of, a, of a nation. It's a lot like the struggle with slavery, you know, um, back during the Civil War it period is like of time. That. It is so. like that. Uh, so West Virginia, I think, will will uh, uh, revert to, look, abortion will be illegal here because of a law in 1843. You like that, don't you? I love that uh, because we weren't even West Virginia (laughs) then. That's right. You know? So so, uh, the the numbers on the court, and we talked about this uh, when we had Kayla on, but uh, so you're looking at uh, Clarence Thomas and uh, Justice Alito. They're for sure going to be... Uh, yeses. And Gorsuch, I think, is probably. Mm-hmm. Okay, so from what I'm reading, what I'm listening to, you know, listen to Levin, Levin's podcast. I was lis- listening to it again uh, last night for prep, but um, on, I think it's the, I think it's December 1st podcast where he, he just goes right down and he just makes the point about, look, Roe v. Wade is, is, just ludicrous. Yeah. It's an absurdity. There is nothing in the Constitution that gives a right to abortion. It mm. is not there. Um, they just, they, in, in 73, they pulled it out of the air and made these and, arguments that were just And they swam uh, for the fences like we were talking about. I mean, to say right there on that decision that you can abort all the way up to the moment of birth is the most extreme view that you could have of that particular situation. And and they passed it. It's just a phenomenal that that took place. Well, it's, it is like communist China. It's like North mm-hmm. Korea. Kayla Kessinger said we're like uh, one of the seven worst countries in the nation, if you go to if you go to Europe, 
47 out of 50 European nations limit elective abortion prior to 15 weeks. Hmm. Uh, you know, we talk about how liberal the European states are. Uh, look, they, at least on abortion, almost all of them limit uh, limit abortion prior to 15 weeks. This mm-hmm. Mississippi law says 15 weeks. It, they, they, they go for no European country allows abortion on demand throughout pregnancy um, as, as like we do on Roe. It's amazing. No European nation is ex, as, a, as extreme as Roe v. Wade. It's crazy. And it was a 7-2 decision. And it, come, it came on the so, heels of the whole 60s sexual revolution. And and, and and I can understand the time period and, and maybe even who was on the court to a little bit at that time. But I think the disappointment that we feel as conservatives and especially as conservative Christians is during the Trump era, you know, the, the, the big excitement was, and I know Trump had his issues and everything, and, and there was some, some people that were fraught with frustration trying to figure out, should we vote for this guy, should we not vote for this guy? But I think the universal idea behind it was, hey, there's some promises here that we're going to have opportunities to get some people on the Supreme Court that are going to reflect conservative values, again, in, in, in America. And, and it seemed like that's what was happening. It seemed like these, these vacancies were coming up on the court. Um, you know, Trump was selecting these these judges. They were being confirmed, and and we were literally. I know I was praying for these opportunities. The one that's presenting itself right now uh, in the Supreme Court for these opportunities to come about. And how frustrating is it that we're still having to bite our nails, wondering what type of decisions these justices are going to make? Where's the disconnect at? Between these people who say they're coming from a position of faith and they're coming from a position of conservative values and that they're going to be strict constructionists of the Constitution and and then the floundering that we've seen on so many conservative issues mm. when they're presented before the Supreme Court, why do we see that happening right now? Uh, well, that's, that's the question, and it's been happening uh, since, you know, since the court— uh, rose in such prominence outside of its its constitutional boundaries. Mm-hmm. They shouldn't even be hearing cases like this. Mm-hmm. These should be in the states. It's like the death penalty or prayer or Bible. They have they have no jurisdiction. And this is what the Congress should do. The Congress should come in and say, the Supreme Court cannot hear social issues. They could do that. This, the you know we talk about co-equal branches. We don't have co-equal branches. Right. The legislative branch is the the man. They, they're yeah. the the ones that control the courts. There's just no courage to do it, and so we have we have Trump, who's a you know I was a bit, as Trump as anybody, but he's bringing uh, B list choices to to uh, be confirmed, in my mm. opinion. Like Kavanaugh, Kavanaugh, everyone was saying, okay, we need Amy Coney Barrett because she's she's the lister, she's the one. That's the, that was the noise during mm-hmm. Kavanaugh. Kavanaugh, uh, I think, would be a good justice, but they put him through hell. Yeah. And I think that that has I think that that has a, a lasting effect on a guy, especially when you're in the spotlight of the whole nation, you're in the heart of DC, which in many many ways is the an evil place. Satan. <laughs> it, right. And so you have uh, then you have Amy Coney Barrett coming along and everyone's oh, Amy Coney Barrett, she's the 
the best in history. Well, she's she's run for the tall grass on a number of things that's that that doesn't give us a lot of confidence for this Roe v. Wade vote because it's going to take a spine yeah. to overturn this. And if you look at Roberts, Roberts was a Republican appointee, and I remember Ann Coulter writing an article about him saying, "Look, he's not the guy. He's not mm. the guy," and she was right. He has uh, he's been a disappointment. He's Huge done what disappointment. so many of the Republican appointments have done in the past, like David Souter and all, uh, so many. They get sucked into the left of the court. And we do that. It's, I, it's fear, so frustrating. You yeah. know, uh, it seems like the conservative voices that you vote for that you expect are going to represent your conservative values that they, they almost act like hostages that are behind the ball in a hostage negotiation. Like, okay, well, we'll we're going to give up all this just so that we can maintain some kind of presence in culture. And, you know, Christians have done that for a long time. Mm. That's where we, we come out with the whole new evangelical movements that have come up in, in America is because we've compromised with the intellectuals and the the uh, philosophies of the world. We, we've said, well, we can cave on on this doctrinal position and we can cave on, you know, this strict understanding of Scripture because it'll give us a place in culture where we can still have a voice on the most important things. But when you start eroding your foundation, all of a sudden you're, you're now negotiating, well, what's important? Well, all truth is important. When you start floundering on any aspect of truth, you're opening up the door for everything to collapse. And I think we see that in conservatism as a whole. It seems like we we somehow watch liberal ideology destroy our nation and everybody's like, oh, we got to get back to conservative values. And then we get in there and we make all these concessions because yep. we're like, now we, now we want to stay here. So we're not going to do the things we were actually voted to do because they work and then people are going to be mad at us. So. <laughs> right. So I think the uh, inertia of nature is towards uh, – liberalism because mm. it's it's death right yeah. uh, you know and that that's that inertia is felt in in dc tenfold because it is such such a like you said the seat of satan it might be he might <laughs> he I'm, so one of his top dogs is in oh, dc and I don't, we're not we're not kidding this is a yeah. spiritual warfare the uh, blindness you see the darkness yes, that exactly. people are under is just and, and unbelievable. just another thing i just got done reading a book on uh, john locke who who had a profound um, effect on the founding fathers he was he's the main guy that outside of the bible that the founding fathers uh, went to in terms of his writings and and uh, all that, and he was uh, a Brit. Uh, he's like um, uh, a lot of the sources they had. Blackstone was a Brit, and founding fathers w- went to him. Yeah. Uh, but uh, so America, in the beginning, in our law schools and the pioneers and the founders, they all read Blackstone. They all read John Locke. John Locke and, and uh, William Blackstone uh, taught from a natural law position, mm-hmm. natural law in the sense of God's will, right. God's mindset, uh, the, the Word of God, the natural law written on our hearts, mm-hmm. the natural laws in, in nature. They wrote law from Scripture, and um, they, they taught that law should be from Scripture. Mm-hmm. And Blackstone even said that any law that goes against natural law or the Bible is not valid. Mm-hmm. Um, so Blackstone was taught in all our colleges, all the universities, 
taught Blackstone. And in the early 1900s, or late 1800s, after, uh, after Darwin came yep, along. That's the key. After Darwin came along, out went Blackstone. Yep. And he's been gone. So all these Supreme Court, all our attorneys, except for Liberty University and maybe one or two others, are not taught from natural law. Yeah. Well, let me explain why that took place. The reason why it took place is because natural law, another term for it, is observable law. God ingrained his moral law in the interaction of his creation, which is nature. So it's observable. I mean, for instance, let's take this issue of abortion. It's observable to us now, especially with the technology that we have, that babies are viable as human beings in the womb. You see them uh, fully formed. You you were even speaking about scientifically how there's this spark that takes place, that mm. conception that shows the igniting of life. Yeah, you actually can within, see it. within this this newly formed uh, human person, and so you observe this. But Satan likes to get philosophical. He did this in the garden. Uh, <laughs> you know, he likes to get. You, that's you, funny. you know, Eve knew natural law. It was observable. Here is what you can eat of. This is what you can't eat of. And what you'll observe if you eat of it is that you will begin to die. You'll die. Mm-hmm. You'll, you'll be separated in relationship with God, and then you're going to die physically. So there's observable consequence in God's laws, the laws of nature, whether they're physical laws, whether they're moral laws. The Bible says, be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever man sows, that shall he also reap. So there's observable law. And what the, the liberal ideology does is it pushes aside this idea of observable law and it brings in this philosophical idea of law where man can then do that which is right in his own eyes. We can set ourselves up as God. And evolution was the perfect catalyst for this because it brought in a bunch of lies as observable law. It got people distracted to look at you know, the different stratas in the earth and the fossil account and this and that and they misinterpret it and they misconveyed it. And they lied about it, and that's that's verifiable throughout history. And they deceived people into believing their philosophical point of view of law. And so what we have now today is we don't have observable law. A man's not a man. A woman's not a woman. Things you observe in nature you can't trust. you got to go by your feelings. you got to go by your heart. Well, the Bible still says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who yeah. can know it. Yeah. That's why we need observable, concrete law like like Locke observed, mm. like Blackstone observed, mm. the law of nature because that's God's law. He right. formed it into his creation. Yes. And the struggle people are having and the reason why they don't have purpose, the reason why the suicides are up is because they've extracted themselves from the seeable. They've put themselves yeah. in the philosophical and nothing makes sense. And that's why our world's in chaos that's today. Wonderfully said. One, th- one thing that uh, Locke used, and I had never heard. I've I've read you know a fair amount on natural law. One thing Locke said, and uh, John Locke was, uh, uh, he wrote uh, treaties of, uh, oh, I forget treaties of government. I think and so, uh, there's two volumes to it. It's it's the classic that the that the founders went from, and you can even kind of see his phrases used in the Declaration mm. of Independence, uh, like the phrase self-evident. Yes. We hold these truths to be self-evident. That, that was, a, that was a, a, a biblical term. Everybody understood what mm. it meant in, uh, in the founding generation, and it, it's like you said, it's, it's observable. Some things are self-evident. Mm. I, can look, I can look at a mama uh, with, with, a, with a baby in her belly, and I know it's self-evident to me before I've been messed up by the culture. It's self-evident to me that there's a baby and you don't touch that. That's right. 
the, the, I said this on the floor one time uh, of the house when I was in the house. Uh, you know, Jeremiah says, when you were in the womb, I formed you. Yeah. I formed you. So when we commit, when we uh, abort a baby, we're going into the womb where the hands of God are. Yeah. Right? And we're shoving those hands aside and killing God's creation. That's a fearful thing. It is. That takes a lot of boldness. John Locke uses the word, and let me get back to John Locke, but John Locke uses the word uh, reason. Hmm. In terms of natural law, you you had a a, a, a great uh, uh, sermon there on on natural law and so on. But but reason we can tell by reason. Yeah, our minds, right? Our our hearts and our mm-hmm. minds are reasonable because we have a conscience. Because we have a conscience and we have the law of God on mm-hmm. our heart, and we know it's reasonable to to protect life yep. all the way from conception. It's ridiculous to say that life doesn't begin except at conception unless your minds have been messed with, right? Yeah. Unless you've the culture has has saturated you in, in lies and liberalism and, um, and, and you've drifted away, like you said, from the truth of God. Yeah. The truth of God is what – I was in a committee. Uh, we had interims uh, Monday and Tuesday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday – um, this week, and I was in a committee. It's called Families, and I forget, but it's it's basically on on what the government can do to fix the culture. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> okay, so we can do no, we can do nothing to yeah. fix the culture, and and the, and the stories you hear uh, in that committee are are heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm texting with a buddy of mine who's a staffer uh, on the House side. He's an attorney, and. Um, we're, we're just talking about the ridiculousness of and, – and the committee's trying. I'm not – you know, the, the people on the committee are – their hearts are in the right place. We're looking at these these drug addicts and these drug mamas and these, these moms that take drugs uh, and have babies and what happens to these babies when they're born on drugs – and I texted him, and he's making some good points too. Uh, I texted him. I said, "Look, if if you reverse the 1960s, you could fix everything yeah. in this in this family. Yeah. If you could go back to a, to uh, putting a stigma—that's the word now. Mm-hmm. We want everything, nothing to have a stigma. If you go back before the six, 60s, when there was a stigma on fornication, mm-hmm. when there was a stigma on having a baby out of wedlock, mm-hmm. and we and, you, know, you treat those people in a, a Christ-like way, but but." Uh, when we kept sex within marriage, there weren't yeah. all these problems. And, you know, the term stigma, the biblical term for that, and it, I think even a better term is shame. And, and the idea is that is, the is, same word? Yes. Said, okay, because, very good. Because shame is a natural outcropping of sin. Mm-hmm. Jesus took our shame on himself as part of taking our sin on himself so we don't have to feel the burden of shame anymore. But we've eliminated it as a culture. Even God tells us that neither did they blush. You know, yes. that's how... Uh, given over to sin they were, where they eliminated any shame from it. You know, there is something to that, right? There is. You know, there should be a shame yes, behind there sin. There should be a blush. Now, we say, oh, don't make anybody feel bad about anything. You're judgmental. I hate it when people say you're judgmental because they say, don't be judgmental. We are supposed to use judgment. We're yes. supposed to use judgment sure. to discern right and wrong, to discern good decisions from bad mm-hmm. decisions. But as we eliminate shame, as we eliminate judgment, we, we don't know up from down anymore. I mean, that's literally what's going on in our culture. We don't know men from women, boys from girls, up from down, left from right. Mm. Uh, an uh, unstable man, right, is a person 
who is not solidified in his mind. He's double-minded, yeah. and he's unstable in all of his ways. And yeah. and we need to be stabilized again by the truth uh, of God. I, I want to go back just for a second to, to your statement about Locke, speaking about self-evident, and how we use that even in you know our uh, declarations and in our constitutional languages. Right. This idea of self-evident comes from the the scripture in Romans chapter number one, where the Bible says, neither were they, are they without excuse because of God's creation being self-evident mm. that, that we have a yeah. moral governor over everything. Yes. So that self-evident idea comes right from our creator. Self-evident. I was walking, uh, I'll finish with this. We've got a, another segment. We've got a couple of good uh, articles coming up, but I was walking in my car to come home yesterday after, after interims. And it was about, uh, and I, I just flip out over God's creation, hmm. you know, a lot. I look at, I, I just shake my head. It's like, God, you're crazy. You're wild. You're wild. <laughs> I mean, the things he does are wild. Yeah. Just, so I'm walking to my truck, and, um, you know, if you are if you observe creation and you're kind of in tune with God, you'll see stuff like this. So as the leaves are blowing everywhere, and this one leaf just sat right by, on the, on the, on the ground in the parking by my truck. I was like, this leaf, I thought. Oh, man. And all these other leaves around, I said, God, I'll put you every single leaf is different. Every yeah. single leaf in the world that's ever been crea- created, they're all different. So yeah. I picked up this leaf. I took it with me home yeah. because it, it, this leaf, yeah. it was a common leaf, but it blew my mind. Yeah. Because it's self-evident in nature, like you said, that there is a God and that he created that's nature. Right. But if you know, if we want to live our own way, we can we – can, just say, okay. The no fool God. has said in his heart, there is no God. That's a foolish thing to do. You're yeah. right. All right. You're listening to the Voice of Truth Radio Show with Mike Gazinger and Brian Leversey. We got a segment coming up. We got some some uh, good cultural stuff. want you to tune in. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to the Voice of Truth Radio Show. I'm your host, State Senator Mike Asinger with my co-host, Pastor Brian Leversey, the only show in America where you will experience the fusion of church and state. So we've had a great show so far, I think. Yeah, oh, that, I've enjoyed it. Gail Kessinger, the first segment, talking about the um, Mississippi decision and the Dobbs case, um, potentially overturning Roe v. Wade. The, those words are, are just so rare, I mean, not rare in terms of, you know, we've been talking about it forever, but the potentiality of it actually happened the last time was 1992 in Planned Parenthood, uh, Planned Parenthood v. Casey. Casey, uh, by the way, was a Democrat governor of Pennsylvania who was very pro-life. Hmm. That's, a, that's a rare bird now, yeah. like almost no one is. Uh, in, the, in the Democrat Party, I'm not being partisan here, but the, 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 I don't mean the, the rank and file folks, but the leadership is not pro-life. Yeah. Uh, and uh, but Casey was a good man, and uh, uh, his son, I think, ran for the Senate, became a senator, was not as as uh, committed to the life issue as his dad, but. Uh, it almost it was almost overturned, and somebody got to Anthony Kennedy, named uh, Lawrence Tribe, who is a law professor at Harvard. Hmm. And uh, so, Kayla made the point. Look, we need to pray because they had they heard the case last week, and oral arguments went very well. Went very well. 
and they voted. So all the justices voted on Friday, and then they do all the writing of their response to it through the months. I don't know how all that works. So uh, the the decision will come out probably in June. And um, here's the thing. Here's why we need to pray, because the justices can change their mind. Right. Like Kennedy. Like Kennedy. You're saying the decision's already been made. What's that? The decision's already been made. The decision has been made, but it's not set in stone. Gotcha. So they can change their mind. So pray all the way to June that, uh, Lord have mercy, this could be such a, oh, my goodness. Wow. It just sends chills. So, all right. So we got, um, here's a story that I I saw yesterday. yesterday. Top Dem economist says woke math is a national security threat. So woke anything, I think. Yeah. It's a national security th- threat. But this guy is named Larry Summers. Have you heard of Larry Summers? I have not, no. Larry Summers blames social justice warriors for giving China a leg up. Larry Summers is a, is a liberal, and uh, he's a former Treasury Secretary. Uh, he's, he's a Harvard professor. Here's the thing about Larry Summers. He's been around a long time. Mm-hmm. He pops up every 10 years or so <laughs> and says something really controversial. <laughs> And then he gets beat up, and he goes back in hiding. But out he comes again. I don't know. The guy amazes me. And here he is again. Uh, I forget the last thing he said, but but it was uh, something about – it was a, a feminist remark, and the feminist just pummeled him to death. And he has been back in his uh, office at Harvard doing his thing, and here he is again. Uh, he, can, he can say some brave things. Hmm. So – the article is from the Free Beacon, the Washington Free Beacon, which is a conservative site. A top Democrat economist says, that's Larry Summers, the rise of quote-unquote anti-racist math curricula is a national security threat. Larry Summers, a Harvard econ- economist who led the National Economic Council under Barack Obama, shared a letter on Monday signed by almost 600 academics. So it's not just Larry Summers. There's wow. 600 academics with him. So maybe he won't <laughs> run for the high grass this time. <laughs> he doesn't have to Poor hide. Guy. He just gets beat up. <laughs> uh, by almost 600 academics that condemns the rise of woke math initiatives in K-12 through schools. Hmm. How about that? The letter says the initiatives have devalued foundational math courses such as algebra, and limited advanced math courses to, quote-unquote, reduce achievement gaps. Summers called rigorous math instruction, quote, an economic and national security imperative, end quote. Noting that, he says, in China, math standards are not subject to continued erosion by social justice warriors who can't themselves define? <laughs> can't I love it when smart people go after the <laughs> can't themselves define exponential growth or solve quadratic equations? That's funny because I was just the other day doing a Solving quadratic. Solving a bunch of those, I was too. Just sitting in lunch. Do it for so the, fun. Just yeah, so, here's so anyway. I'm doing it right now. We're doing this show. <laughs> his point was that uh, communist China doesn't even do what we do. Yeah. With uh, with math. So listen here. Stand with me here, folks. Radical education activists want to purge math curricula of allegedly racist practices, which include showing your work. Oh, oh that's racist. 
and arriving at the right answer. Unbelievable. So if 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 you're going to stigmatize arriving at the right answer, it's over. Yeah. Because uh, if, if there's any place where truth exists in uh, inflexibly, it's in math. It's yeah. what, two plus two is four. Yeah. And uh, the, but the liberals uh, have been trying to tell us it's five for many years, and they might be. They might be about to. Uh, What's the ludicrous nature of the the whole movement that we've seen take place for a long time of this abstract idea of truth? You know, there is no absolute truth. Mm-hmm. You, you you don't have to fit within the confines of what we were talking about, natural law, and how God formed it, created it, designed mm-hmm. it, and purposed it. And so, how do we how do we battle against that? Well, we say there is no truth. We say there's no work to be shown. We say there's no right answer to come to, and if you come to a right answer, you're judgmental and you're telling somebody else they're wrong because they didn't come to the right answer. That's what this all is. This isn't about math. This is about the elimination of absolute truth. Yes. And this was uh, the last one of the uh, the last uh, uh, arenas where where truth stubbornly resisted math math you can't you know <laughs> you do a math equation it is or See, it and that's why i didn't like math math <laughs> always did tell me i was wrong you know in history or english i could always fluff something out sure. you know i could always you know just keep writing and come up oh. with some idea that you know was subjective but math oh no you're either right or wrong yeah, that's right the bill and melinda gates foundation bankrolled uh, this thing called a pathway to equitable math instruction. So, Bill Gates' fingerprints are all over this. That guy is not good news. Uh, the nonprofit behind uh, this this pathway to equitable math instruction. Equi- whenever you see equitable, <laughs> run for the run for the hills. The nonprofit behind a curriculum that asks wow. teachers to observe how math quote is used to uphold. Capitalist, imperialist, and racist views, end quote. I, I almost just audibly groan without even knowing it whenever I hear equitable this or that or the yeah, other Yeah, so these, these are words that, that we need, need to be know, uh, to, to learn to know that automatically when we hear them that we're hearing wokeism, which is Marxism, which is not of God no. ever any place. See, any I thought time. woke math was spending trillions of dollars and then telling people uh, it's not going to cost you anything. <laughs> right. well, I thought woke <laughs> math was staying awake in class, <laughs> which, uh, which That's was always my, my uh, goal challenge. <laughs> so there you go. But um, uh, so the 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 battle over over uh, critical race theory and so on continues and and uh, I, I don't think that we're getting pummeled in that area it's kind of encouraging to see actually a lot of legislators across the country introducing bills we're going to introduce mm-hmm. one uh, in the coming session to take on critical race theory and and in all its forms we're not even going to say in the bill critical race theory because they'll change the name of it uh, and um, and just teach it anyway but all right, so we got our uh, world famous etiquette section uh, session next. We are bringing back the art of manliness. Nice. All right, so we'll be back right after this. You're listening to the Voice of Truth radio show. Welcome back to the. Voice of Truth Radio Show with Mike Azinger and Brian Leversey. 
We are your hosts. We're honored to be here, and uh, we appreciate you listening every week. So um, we have our world-famous etiquette hour, which is only a couple minutes. It's all people can handle. Hey, look, it's 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 the the age of uh, wokeism, so we can call we can call a five minute segment an hour if we want. We can call it the etiquette hour if we want to. Equitable uh, manners or something. <laughs> Put the twist on it. And right. yeah, my mother never called the. It was get your elbow off the table, right. close your mouth when you chew. All right, so we are bringing back the Art of Manliness book, Classic Skills and Manners for the Modern Man. Brett and Kate McKay, they're a couple in Oklahoma. So what do you want to learn from this? This is a good little book. My, my son picked it up because I had it laying around. He, he just read and read and read. <laughs> Shave like your grandpa. Be a perfect house guest. Fight like a gentleman using the art of... Barbitsu, these are things that are in the book. Help a friend with a problem, give a man a hug. It teaches in there how to give a man a hug. Perform a fireman's carry, that's wrestling, I think. Ask for a woman's hand in marriage. Raise resilient kids. And uh, how to give a speech and how to uh, change a tire, how to charge a battery, all that stuff in here. Nice. Table manners for the gentleman. And this, we did this, we were back in September, we were doing this. So, uh, let's see, we'll go, uh, we'll refresh the first five, unless you're expecting a call that your wife's water has broken. Be sure your cell phone is turned off before sitting down. Nobody does that, right? Nobody. Number two, if you are accompanying a lady to dinner, pull out her chair for her and l- allow her to be seated first. That's basic stuff. When you sit down, immediately Place your napkin upon your lap. There you go. Hmm. Number four, if you see multiple eating utensils set before you, panic! (laughs) No, he says don't panic. The rule to remember is to work your way from the outside to the inside. All right, number five, wait until you know whether grace will be said before diving (laughs) into the food. No man wants to be caught with a mouthful of a roll as everyone else bows their head. Yeah, there you go. All right, so that was that was uh, back in September. Number six, keep your elbows off the table. I've heard that. <laughs> I, I still do that. My, my son the other day said, Dad, uh, your elbows. Because I just uh, mildly rebuked him. He's getting Dad back. Hey. Always say please when requesting a dish be handed to you. So... You don't don't say, you say toss the potatoes? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you don't say, uh, give me the green beans. You say, please pass. The please green give beans. me the green beans. <laughs> please give. Now, number eight, among good friends and family, it is okay to request, request a taste of another's entree. Yeah. Not your wife even? Would you, uh, yeah. 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 Wife's okay. My wife's wife. okay. But, you know, I've, I've been with buddies, and I got a buddy who's, We've been buds since ninth grade, and he'll start just eating off my plate, and I don't mm. think a thing about it. Mm. <laughs> you don't like it? No. <laughs> That's love. Um, <laughs> but do not attempt to taste everyone's food at the table, so you, yeah. you want to limit that. When eating rolls or bread, <clears throat> put a pat of butter on your roll plate. Yes. And pass this the is a real on. thing. I didn't know this, and yep. my, my wife's mom was actually a home ec teacher, and she taught manners. 
And <laughs> is that right? And she did, and I would go over to their house to eat. Oh, that's and, pressure, man! And, oh my goodness, it it really I felt it, and, <laughs> and and that's one thing I learned very quickly because I used to just dab into the whole butter thing and just wallop it right onto yeah. my roll and smear it all in and. Yeah. Put the roll together and shove it in my face. Yeah, and, there you go. And I had to go through this whole process of you know delicately putting a pad on my plate and then taking a whole other instrument and lightly putting it on my bread. I know this I whole thing. Know. I don't know if I could make it with your I, mother-in-law. <laughs> I'm starving. I, I like uh, people who are severe in manners and English and so on. They yeah. they they keep the world in place. They do. Right? They do. All right. So when eating rolls or bread, put a pat of butter on your roll plate and pass the butter on. Then. Do not butter the entire roll at once, yep. but instead tear off a slice or piece, butter that segment, eat it, and repeat. Yeah, like I'm not doing that. PTSD hitting me again yeah, it's going like, through this process. I can't handle all that. <laughs> I can do the butter on the plate. I can do that. You can do that. That's about as tear far as you can. Yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. so this is a good stuff. Ten, do not eat too fast. Yeah, that I, I have a weakness of that. So do I. I'm hungry. Yeah, my dad was a he's a he was a marine. He always said, "Yeah, I learned the marines. He eats fast. I learned that from dad." And uh, I think it's a man thing, you know. Yeah. We, the food's here, man. I'm hungry. Let's eat. Chew slowly and savor your food. Make time for conversation in between bites. <clears throat> Match your pace with that of your dining companions. That's probably good advice. That's real good. <clears throat> All right, so that's it, folks. Write it down, learn it, love it, and live it. <laughs> All right, thanks for listening to the Voice of Truth radio show. We appreciate you folks very much. God bless you, and we'll see you next week. I will choose to-